It's a daily talk show in Los Angeles. And we're in a very cool... I mean, I've never been to Coachella before, but we're in the boardroom <laughs> called Coachella. Yes. And we've got Brooke at, Brooks Atwood, Atwood next yeah. to us. How are you, buddy? Hey, good to be here. Thanks so much. Thanks for inviting us to Coachella. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely <laughs> welcome. It, it really is like a Coachella kind of moment. And, and the the experimentation that we do here is, is very apropos. So Coachella is a good word. Are they drinking LaCroix at Coachella? <laughs> I could imagine that's very uh, hip. They're probably drinking CBD-infused teas <laughs> at Coachella. So we're in Culver City. This is the uh, the HQ, mm-hmm. Office Untitled. Um, what is Office Untitled? Office Untitled is a unique creative agency focusing primarily on architecture and interiors, but, but more with an experimentational attitude mm. uh, of questioning realities or questioning universal preconceptions, like what is a house or what is a children's museum, and really kind of like approaching projects from that unique kind of angle. You took us for a tour. Uh, there's some pretty quirky bathrooms that you got here. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just took a selfie while in there <laughs> you wouldn't be the first <laughs> well i mean then it has the debate of some people don't like some people don't like the thought of other people using their phone in the bathroom mm-hmm. but your bathrooms here make you want to use your phone <laughs> <laughs> it's so i've been i think i've been in a bunch i think that's of, a good thing yeah, yeah. i think I, I love it there's um you know what, what did you like josh walking around these creative corners oh yeah i think the smell I mean, you weren't you, and you, it wasn't the bathroom. No, after no, no, it wasn't the smell. No, there's just a sense of. I feel like I could smell a bit of glue going on. There's like we've got heaps of small models of things that you're building, but there's you're actually printing shit out. There's stuff on the walls. It feels a little bit Willy Wonka for creatives. Uh, absolutely. You know what? Um, now that I think about it, um, it's unlike any architecture office and I mm. hesitate to say the word architecture as office on as a creative agency but mm-hmm. uh, there's been other magazine editors that have come through and they made the point of like this is looks like a studio at a university in a way of like experimentation is encouraged mm-hmm. and that's the culture that we try to create here where you're able to experiment and test out ideas mm. uh, all of course for the benefit of the project to make the projects better but it has that kind of Los Angeles experimentational like less test and fail quickly obviously <laughs> yeah. uh, but let's test let's test and fail our ideas and talk about ideas mm. so I mean it's that uh, minimum viable product, product yeah. approach right. sure. to design I mean how, how do you how do you grapple with perfection and that approach because that approach doesn't allow to make it perfect well, <laughs> you know what comes to mind is the disco ball. So there's a disco ball hanging, happens to be above my desk. Uh, but that's the skylight that gets the most natural light. Yeah. So it's a win-win for me and the office and the disco ball. I, I think per- if you look at perfection in the disco ball, disco balls are not perfect at all. In fact, it's incredibly difficult to make a sphere using tiny squares of mirrors. Mm-hmm. And they're not nicely glued on there. Mm-hmm. But from afar, it looks amazing. And the effects are extraordinary. Yeah. So what we, what we, we actually strive for excellence on all the projects and we have a culture of like uh, technical abilities and know-how and that's as equally as important as design but so is experimentation Mm. so most architecture practices or other practices are about uh, like executing well and and doing a high level of design but I think what separates us out is this idea of experimentation up front and like this conceptual phase that we come in really heavy and strong at the beginning. Mm. So as I mean, as you could sense when you walked around for the tour, there's a culture of like ecstaticness or like mm. static electricity in the air of like, you know, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. Cause like, you never know what's going to happen, mm. whether somebody like puts on a different song or there's a dance party, but we also have like design review Thursdays. So there's an hour that we take out of our day of like, let's talk about something important about anything it could be anything and it's a free safe space i use that word safe space because the whole office is a safe space so once you come through that door like all ideas are on the table nothing Mm -hmm. is stupid nothing is out of bounds um and 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 that's important to create that kind of safe environment Mm -hmm. for experimentation and creativity Mm -hmm. to to thrive yeah Yeah. as a as a designer what's your relationship with collaboration it's all it's 100 percent collaboration mm-hmm. if you're not collaborating like you know i mean one one brain is not that good but like <laughs> a bunch of brains way better uh-huh. uh also in order to be creative and innovative it's about connecting things that aren't connectable or shouldn't be connected like you know that bird that i saw this morning in this weird helicopter and then 
meeting you guys and you're talking about the smell mm-hmm. now i have this idea in my head but that took three people or four mm-hmm. people to come up with those ideas do we, do we get a cut of yeah. this idea what's going on here no no cut no, no. but well, you can we'll put it as a footnote and so i guess a lot of people struggle with the collaborative process mm. because you know no, we're, bullshit we're, you're, you don't think no i mean that's that's on them so <laughs> it, it, you have to remove ego yeah you yeah. can't have an ego uh, you can't collaborate with an agenda mm. you have to be totally neutral and what's awesome about us is as i mentioned we all have young kids i have a five-year-old uh is that f- Five-year-olds in particular, you don't know this yet, but they just say whatever is real. Like, this salmon tastes weird. Mm. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. like, my son was right. It wasn't good, so we stopped <laughs> eating it. It was at a restaurant. I was like, you're right, it's not, it tastes weird. But <laughs> what, what, I, what I mean is, like, um, you have to remove the mask that you're wearing mm-hmm. or you have to remove your ego or like you, you you can't be concerned like what other people are going to think of mm. you or like having your feelings hurt it's like no let, let's all throw out these ideas and work mm. together because that's what's going to make a better project i am not a genius you're not a genius nobody's a genius even einstein's not a genius he was picking up on the context of what was happening around him mm. and so that's what we try to cultivate in the in the mm. office here and even going out and even collaborating and even talking to other architects and other designers and we even actually go out and tour other people's projects under construction to see like hey that's a really great idea Mm. how do you find people's reception to that because i I really like that approach Mm -hmm. of we can collaborate with anybody yeah but i could imagine there's some people who have had some wins as solo operators or solo creatives that think no no no, i know it because i've had the past successes no, I, I'm just still going to say BS yeah. on that one. The, you, I, what I think is great is that and the, all, all of our clients are repeat clients and they come back because of that collaborative process, mm. like because we work with them. Mm. Uh, we also ask strange questions that nobody's asked them before. But a year later, they'll be like, I'm still asking that same question. Like we're designing an entire warehouse district in in the middle uh, of the country and the very first meeting we had with this developer uh we asked the question what is an awning mm-hmm. can an can a submarine be, <laughs> can a submarine be an awning and it was about how do you get people to come into the district and how do you develop a language of a, des- a design language for an entire district all the way down to the lobby experiences so you know that starts with an awning and what you're going to see first so even a year later he still talks about that question of like what is an awning <laughs> is he still trying to figure it out <laughs> did you did you have to learn that was there times in your life where you felt the friction of collaboration or where it didn't necessarily you're wearing a mask as you described Yes. So if if you're in a space that's not a safe space, then uh, it, it could be threatening or, or an in, intimidating to other people. If you're throwing out ideas, especially if they seem wild, like what is an awning? Is a submarine an awning? Where it's not a it's not a wild uh, it's not a wild question. It's actually incredibly hyper specific to humans and uh, how you're using space and what space feels like and mm-hmm. the temperature of the hatch when you touch it and like what's the air taste like. I mean, it's very important of how you go into a space um so i I think it's very important to ask those questions the 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 kind of training that i've tried to put myself through in terms of like almost like a buddhist regimen of like creativity Mm -hmm. of like a religion would be to remove what people think of me in order to be able to collaborate with with our clients or whoever we're working with or even fabricators when we're doing custom furniture or whatever right so it's removing yourself removing your ego and that takes a lot of practice over time mm-hmm. uh but then also sur- if you surround yourself with the right people uh they encourage you they encourage that to happen and that's what's great about working here in this office office entitled is that everybody's encouraged to think differently and be unique and creative mm. uh and and everyone has equal input on all the projects uh we're in la right now you haven't uh lived here for your whole life you like you were in new york yeah, I mean, I'm just a kid from the Midwest. I was born in Kalamazoo, Michigan. How, how important is uh, location to creativity? So New York is the, oh, you know, the great energy question. of New York. Yeah. I feel creative there. Oh, man. wow. Yes. 
100% agree. Location has a huge impact on creativity, especially me. Uh, I, I tend to pick up on like the vibes and energies of the places that I'm in, and I use that to my advantage in terms of like creative outputs. New York is super creative in mm. a in a in electricity that's just palpable that you can just walk down the street bump into somebody and be like, oh, excuse me. Hey, do you want to create, create something together? And they'll be like, okay, tonight let's meet and like make up a couch or design a new <laughs> skyscraper that actually happens all the time. Uh, and, and so there's this energy there that you just never shut off. Like you're just everything you do. Like I would crash my bike all the time and run into parked cars. Cause I'm looking at something and I'm like, that's a great detail. And then cr crash, <laughs> which is not good if you're pushing a stroller yeah, yeah. <laughs> with a tiny baby in there, but, uh, the baby's safe. Uh, nothing ever happens to the baby. So New York, is that, do you think where you've had the most creativity or no i think los angeles yeah I, I i i'm super excited about that and like love to be here i've been here three years now i was a little bit nervous moving here because it's like vastly different than anything on earth and like just being from the midwest uh los angeles seems like a foreign planet i had never been here before yeah. so it's a it's a little bit weird there's cactuses and they bloom all year and it seems like a fairyland of like willy yeah. wonka yeah. but the creativity and the like what people are doing here is fascinating and the mm. the mindset of experimentation and failure and testing and, and and inventiveness is so palpable that that doesn't happen in New York. In New York, it's like creative energy and people are doing things, but in LA, it's like there are no rules design-wise. Like you can do anything you want as long as you have this like great narrative and you're testing and experimenting with things. Yeah. But there aren't any like rules about color or pattern mm. or space or what the temperature is supposed to be like when you lick the door handle <laughs> or like there's no rules at all. It's like if you want to go and make that thing, go and make it. Like there's makers and fabricators mm. all over the place here. You just have to figure out where they are. Yeah. Because they're hiding. <laughs> I yep. heard you uh use the phrase licking the details. Uh-huh. Uh, what does that mean and what are some examples of where you're licking the details that other people might completely ignore? Well, uh, I don't lick random things, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's important to have um, like be engaged with the tactile experience of the spaces that you're creating. If you're mm. making, especially if you're making immersive environments, like mm. you need to know what the temperature is. You need to know how the marble feels and what, like what kind of marble is it? Is it silky? Is it rough? Is it smooth? Is it oiled? Like when you, especially if you're going to set your cell phone down on like a marble surface, what does it sound like when the marble comes in contact with your, you mm. know, iPhone, right? So it's important to me to touch everything before it's made, uh, like in a hotel, right? If you're making the side tables or the amenity table or the bed, like how squishy is the mattress? So I'm going to go and jump on the mattress mm -hmm. and I'm going to sit on it and sleep on it and jump on it with my son and be like, Hey, do you like this mattress? And he'll be like, no, because he, <laughs> he's going to say it straight up. And so I did lick the marble and I've, I did lick the wallpaper for this hotel in, in Portland, but you know, it, it pays off when you lick the details. Uh, the hotel yeah. was shortlisted yeah, yeah. on time magazine's greatest 100 places to go this year. Wow. And it won most innovative hotel of the year. So, um, I mean, I feel like because I care so deeply about mm -hmm. the experiences that people have when they're in the rooms and yeah. when they're in the hotel that, I also feel like it's important that I need to be fully engaged in all the materials and the choices and how it feels as if I was also staying in the room. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. So you got someone who walks into a hotel room, say for instance, the one that won the award. Mm -hmm. I mean, as a, I would call him a gronk. As a gronk, I'd walk in and I would, wouldn't really understand anything. I'd just be experiencing, right? So mm -hmm. I put my phone down, I'm like, whatevs. But I know that there's something going on where I would probably be disrupted if I felt a certain way. Mm -hmm. Are you a, is that, is that your job, is what you see your job is to identify the stuff people don't consciously pick up mm -hmm. on and then fine tuning that? Absolutely, yeah. I, I think a lot of it has to do with like unconsciousness of how people are gonna feel when they're mm. when they're inside the, the space. Should there be no friction or is friction an important part of design? I guess it depends on what you mean by friction, especially in hotels. The friction might be mm -hmm. a bad word of like that. There's problems when a person comes into the hotel yeah. before they get to the guest room of like that's causing friction. So in, in that regard, you don't want any friction. Mm -hmm. Um, but I 
I would want you to set your phone down or like, for example, like I put leather on this bottom of this table and you would never know that unless you like put your foot on it, which you might. So then you'll be like, oh, wow, that feels good on my foot. And then you look at it and you're like, that's not black leather. It's like navy blue textured leather. It's very weird, right? So (laughs) it's like these little secret details. Even the base of the lamp looks like pink concrete, but it's actually stained pink wood uh, because it's more natural. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's this... In, in this particular hotel, the aesthetic was feminine Pacific Northwest, and that doesn't exist. That style doesn't exist. I had to make that up. And so I think the, the idea of like, how do you invent a style and, and how, do you, how do you allow somebody to go into the room? They don't care what the style is. They mm. just want to feel at home mm. and they want to feel comfortable walking around in their bare feet and jumping on the bed. Mm. I mean, it's such attention to detail. Mm. And then there's a there's a bunch of designers, architects that aren't doing that. Is it like they don't even care, or what's the what's the opposite approach uh, to this? <laughs> the the uh, the opposite approach would just be like you're churning out a bunch of rooms in a repetitive fashion, and whether uh, it's like budget conscious or you're just rolling out so many of the rooms, mm. you just don't have the opportunity to like fine tune every single detail you can probably control a few Mm. um but i'm trying to control everything all the way down to the smell down to like what it feels if you're rubbing up against the wall you know (laughs) i love it it. yeah or if your head is touching the headboard like you know people are loving the headboard in this Mm. particular hotel it's really cool um but also just the lights we custom designed all the lights the the tiles are custom designed like everything what do you think uh quality and premium mean well, that's a good question. Like, I think luxury doesn't need to be expensive. Mm-hmm. Like, a gold toilet doesn't necessarily mean luxury. Mm-hmm. I would rather put the bathtub in the middle of the room and let you, like, have a bath and watch the sunset at the same time. To me, that's mm-hmm. more luxurious yeah. than a gold bathtub. And it, so, because that's what we're... And I'm trying to be, like, PG. Because, <laughs> like, I, I would say, like, it's way better to have sex in your bathtub watching the sunset then just stuck in the bathroom like why am i in a small tiny ass room taking a (laughs) bath right i should see something i should experiment the world in a better way while i'm taking a bath and so what about like from a user experience point of view sometimes like i'll go to an amazing hotel uh, with my girlfriend but then the bathroom is very open and so before you know it you're having to take a dump in that (laughs) same area where you want to have this sort of intimate experience how much are you thinking about that user experience hundred percent thinking of exactly Uh that thing yeah Yeah. absolutely uh you know you you have to consider all those scenarios Mm -hmm. and like i I guess like i i would live them like Mm -hmm. like mentally you know like i would put up a bunch of chairs and like Mm -hmm. tape off a space in the office and see like is this close enough to sit next to somebody Mm -hmm. or does this create an intimate Mm -hmm. scenario so i would reenact it Uh in real life you know like as a mock-up to be like Mm -hmm. how, how does this play out Right. Um, and, and where do it, hotel rooms go wrong? Do you think? What's like the the obvious thing when you walk into a hotel room that uh, just gives you the shits? <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> um, light switches, lighting, w- w- outlet locations. Like mm-hmm. if somebody's like looking for an outlet, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, What's the deal with? I don't know if it's just the U.S., but sometimes like the light switch is actually for a lamp and then there's yeah. a fucking master light and yeah. so then you can turn the master light off but all that sort of stuff yeah i mean that that there's like different like uh code code things of like what kind of lights you have to have on and yeah. stuff like that uh-huh. um uh but again like when you when you first come in like why am i seeing the sharp corner side of an amenity table mm-hmm. or a credenza piece Like that's not inviting to come in and just see the side of something and it's a sharp corner. Mm. So, you know, in this hotel in Portland, the Woodlark, we we are rounded all the edges of the amenity table and it's actually has a hole cut out. And so you can see like wine and or sparkling water or something as like a little gift bag in the side of this thing. It's also curved. I was also raised by the totally insane father who we made wooden sailboats and like everything is curved wood and we actually had to build all this stuff. And so like all this kind of strange like sailboat making stuff and like weird construction projects that my dad would make me do just as influencing me yeah. and on all the projects and grew up racing sailboats so you can't i can't get that out of my head so uh, it actually has a kind of a nautical theme to it if now that i told you that secret uh because i haven't admitted that in different interviews but like if you look at the hotel now and think like nautical it's it, a boat you feel a, a big boat, <laughs> boat hotel yeah. uh, you've mentioned your son quite a few times mm-hmm. and it's almost like that um uh, 
uh, naive approach just like no I don't like this or I, I do like this how do you where do you think we go wrong getting older getting a bit jaded not maybe speaking out about the things that we don't like or do like uh, great question and I think this kind of uh, ties a little bit in about in, into my teaching philosophy as well because I taught for 10 years architecture interior design and product design and uh <laughs> Seeing these 20-somethings come in and af- being afraid to fail mm. uh, was terrifying me. And I was like, our education system is crushing creativity mm. out of our kids. And so I would actually bring my two, he was two, I would bring him into class and uh, let them see him and let him see them. Uh, and uh, not that I was trying to scare the crap out of my students, although I was, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I would do it in a way where I was with them like i was one of them so i was a hundred percent honest with them i would bail them out of jail if they got arrested they could i would give them my cell phone on the first day of class call me anytime text me 24 7 i will text you right back mm-hmm. and so for me to be on the level of like i'm a hundred percent committed if you are mm-hmm. i will give you a hundred percent of me if you do mm-hmm. right so a lot of that and a lot of the initial couple weeks of class is, is a lot of frustration from the students because nobody ever spoke to them that way or swore in class. They never seen a professor jump on the table and start dancing <laughs> and screaming. Uh, but it was about eliminating universal preconceptions. And that sounds so easy, but basically you have to forget everything that you were that you learned. Mm-hmm. And what's great about having a five-year-old is that he doesn't know shit. He's stupid, right? Mm-hmm. He, they're dumb. Like kids are dumb. Like <laughs> they don't know what they don't know. And so they ask the most basic questions yeah, and yeah. those are the best questions. Yeah, yeah. Even the statement of like, the salmon tastes weird. You're right. And like, I should have said that, but yeah. I didn't because I was, afraid to upset the chef or something or like yeah. i didn't want to offend anybody but like i mean there are of course social norms and you don't want to upset <laughs> yeah, yeah, people yeah, yeah. so that one is a fine line but the idea is that you see things new try to see things new from a child's eyes or a child's perspectives and you and the world will open up to you in a totally mm. different way mm. so then what do you think about schooling and classrooms in general as a way to try and unlock those those types of things. Well, huh. uh, I th- that's a great question. I-, I would be a huge advocate to go around and and talk in every like public school in mm-hmm. America across America to encourage creative thinking and creative problem solving. Because in the future, I think the one skill that you're going to need to know to get any job is creative problem solving. Mm-hmm. Anybody, you can learn the trade, you can learn anything, you can learn law, and you can learn how to be a doctor. But creative problem solving is hard to teach, uh, especially if those skills are crushed out of your soul mm-hmm. when you're a kid. Um, Mm. So uh, playing through experimentation and playing and learning while you play and play based learning and play based experimentation and this idea of like nothing wrong with failing. I fail Mm. every day. I just do it fast because I'm not afraid of failing. So I just fail a bunch of times and then because the first couple of things you do are shit. So you got to fail quickly, get those out of the way. And then the really good Mm. ideas come in later. Mm. So it's about that kind of thinking process. So the fear of failure is crushing people's creativity. I would say 100 percent. Yeah, we've got a young uh, 20 something in the room. Mr. 97, our producer, he, um, he said before that he doesn't think he's creative. What do you think? I mean, you've just met him. Uh-huh. He's looking pretty cool with his hat. <laughs> yeah, can, yeah, can he, you... Uh, he does look cool. I mean, there is, there is that vibe that everyone is creative or everyone has that and they just need to unlock it. But then there's some people who think, I'm not creative. What do you think about that school of thought? I, th- I, th- I think everyone is creative. I think that because of society uh, being afraid of new ideas, mm. um, that the uh, social norms would be like, yeah, maybe you're not creative like Albert Einstein or, or like... Andy Warhol, you might be super creative, like folding your laundry that I never thought about. Like I had to watch this YouTube video on how to fold the fitted sheet 20 times because I couldn't figure it out. I still can't do a double Windsor. It's because I watch and just copy the tie. And And the bow tie is hard to tie it in reverse through (laughs) the YouTube videos, right? But I I think, right? I can't do it. Um, But I I think people are creative. They're just creative in different ways. That's why I love to collaborate. And the TEDx talk I I gave, uh, which I joke, it's like how to make a baby. the, The title is actually like uh, collaborative opportunities are everywhere. Mm. So collaborate on how to make dinner, right? And like, that's creative. Like Mm -hmm. some people are more creative in like how they cook. 
There, that's creativity. You know, it's not Neil. It doesn't have to be for design or for one thing or to to invent something. Mm. It's just about how you think about things. You can be creative at folding laundry or creative at riding a bike or crashing a bike or whatever. Mm. What's uh, something you've identified that's not your area of strength? I would say before we get into that, before I admit all my vulnerabilities, <laughs> I would say just watch any kid. Any, every single child that I've ever seen now uh, is a thousand percent creative. No filters whatsoever. Mm -hmm. They're drawing crazy things, yeah. weird trees, like what, there's no rhyme or reason or, or right or wrong. Mm. That's a creative. And for, for what, what, uh, what, what that shows me is that there's an innate thing in human beings that they are a hundred percent creative people or mm. humans humans are a hundred percent creative entities mm. and it so what happens to you then then society and culture must crush that out if you think that you're not creative mm. later in life because that's bs i yes. mean i get a whole bunch of paintings I, I got a rock from my son with splash paint on it genius I mean, he's a genius it's, obviously it's genius to be honest <laughs> <laughs> but um i think i think you're someone who really knows your strengths and to know your strengths, you also have to know what, where you don't shine. Yep. Um, how do you identify the areas where you don't shine? <laughs> well, I wasn't prepared for that question. Um, but uh, so I would say like, um, I, would, I will admit it here for the first time ever on, any, on any interviews ever, but I, I feel very vulnerable. Mm. A, a lot like I, 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 I'll put myself out there as mm. far out to, into the nether region as possible and then like tether back into reality. So I'll try to push the boundaries with what I'm working on and the clients as far out as I can go, mm -hmm. sensing that they get uncomfortable. And that's a really exciting space to be in. And then we can tailor it back. You can't. You can't start small and then later try to switch it and say, hey, what about this option? Then you okay. can't go backwards. So you have to start out far out. And that then it makes me I'm 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 vulnerable in that in that state. And I feel vulnerable 100 percent of the time. Mm. Mm. So I think that vulnerability uh, allows me to operate in a way where it it re removes the ego because I'm letting, I'm, I'm asking for what do you think? And I'm, I'm collaborating with other people and I'm, I'm, I'm challenging and I'm constantly asking questions. Mm. And I think that allows for design opportunities to flourish. Mm. How do mm. people charge or make money through creativity? <laughs> um, well, there's, uh, there's different ways. There's different ways of charging. It just depends on the projects. Yeah. Uh, we charge differently I guess, for is different it, things. So I guess for someone who's just getting started where it's like, it's, it's not necessarily tangible, like early, in the early days, yeah. uh, there is that sense that you need to do like small tasks. Right. It's very, very basic. Do you remember grappling with how am I going to do this thing that I love to do, but also make cash so I can feed myself? So I think that's a trick question from your earlier question of like, what are your like flaws? And I think like running a business yeah. would be one of my, not my yeah. strengths. Yeah. Yeah. And so I love to be part of a collaborative where we can all like help each other and learn like as a group how, mm -hmm. and, and, and we learn from each project and how to do things differently and run mm -hmm. things more efficiently uh, as we go. And our profession is such an old school profession Mm -hmm. that really hasn't evolved very much in terms of like a business. So I, th I think, you know, we're really like looking to radically kind of rethink what the business of design is and how that works. Mm -hmm. So whether it's charging hourly or project-based or even based on the value that you add, uh, a lot of people are doing different things. Uh, I love the value kind of proposition where it's not really based on hourly or how long it's going to take you, but the value that you give to that project mm -hmm. because of your s unique skill set. Yeah. I mean, you've got a, I feel like a strong spirit and there'd be a bunch of younger people who look up to you and see what you, you're doing. I guess you're in a, in a position now where you can be a bit fucking crazy, a bit <laughs> wacky. You can tell clients, hey, no, this is how I wanted to, to do it. How did you uh, grapple or work with the early stages where it's like, this is Brooks fucking out there having fun uh, with the realities of being an early designer, someone who's just sort of getting started? Well, I think it's important, f and especially for me, to try to like experiment and do things 
even if I know they're gonna fail. Yeah. Like I remember my mom giving me all this advice and saying like, don't do that. And I, and I would be like, thanks mom, I hear you. I have to do it anyways. Mm -hmm. I know it's going to fail, but I just need to feel what it feels like mm -hmm. for it to fail. Yeah. And so like, I trust you and I know you're right, yeah. but you've got to let me do it anyways. Even if I break my arm, I'm still going to jump out of the tree. You learn the hard way. You, I got to <laughs> learn. I got to learn that. But being part of a collective and, and a, a place like Office Untitled with, with so many talented people, um, we're, we're all able to do it together. Mm -hmm. And that allows for the safety of like great ideas and great business strategies and practice and li like thinking of projects holistically. That's what's allowed us to grow so fast because we're only like five, six years old at this point. And uh, we, we've grown so fast and the scale of the projects that we're working on are so radically huge at this point that doesn't normally happen until like you're in your 80s to be able to be working on projects of this mm -hmm. size and magnitude. Mm. Um, and it's, it's so exciting, but I think that's because the talent and the collectiveness and the direction that the principals are going with the firm, it's just so, so powerful. Where do you like to spend most of your time in the creative process? Uh, I, I mean, I, I like to interject at all different stages of the projects, obviously like the conceptual phase at the very beginning, like brainstorming is, is super exciting for me, but I also like to see like how that gets physically translated mm. into real things and, and made. And so that, cause that's also very difficult and also very fun mm -hmm. and also very creative. Um, yeah. but my, my background is also super technical and my dad's an engineer, my brother's engineer engineer. And so there is this, uh, love of figuring stuff out uh also so those are also exciting so it's all it's all exciting for mm -hmm. me um i love the fast-paced nature but also like you also need to stop take a breath and like think on things for a second um and that, that's important to kind of just like build that into the design process where you just like nope i'm gonna just like let this uh percolate for a second mm. yeah. what are you obsessed about at the moment oh what am i obsessed about well, licking details. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think I'm obsessed of like, um, like emotion, like how can I invoke emotions to things? Mm -hmm. So like this idea of nostalgia, I really like, I was so against nostalgia and I've, I've 180 and now yeah. I'm for it. And like, okay. I love the fact, like I recognize like that was a limitation. Like, why am I stuck on this thing? Nostalgia? Like what's, what do you think it was? Well, I thought the for, to my own, uh, you know, my own detriment. I was mm -hmm. like, I thought nostalgia would hold me back creativity or create creatively or in a way to innovate because that was because you're looking like back. I was stuck. Yeah, 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 I was looking back and like somehow the past was holding me back. Yeah, and I don't want. I don't live with regrets. Mm -hmm. Like I don't have any regrets because I also think that if you have a regret, then then you're closing something. Mm -hmm. And I want to be open to things, even if it's a repeat. Um, so I thought nostalgia would just be like, oh, you can't, that's just gonna hold me back. I wanted to make new things. Yeah, yeah. And I was, like I was really pushing the boundaries. But also like nostalgia is a really nice kind of feeling. It's mm -hmm. a it's a good emotion. It allows you to connect to something in a, in a deeper way. Uh, and I think those deep connections are super important when you're making spaces and, and, and that idea of how people will feel in those spaces. What yeah. are you nostalgic about? Mm -hmm. Like from your past, because yeah. you're sitting next to one of the most yeah, nostalgic I, person. I love in getting the, into in the nostalgia. World. Oh, nice. Well, it's a it's a weird question because we moved around so much, so many things, so many times mm -hmm. growing up that I never had one house. So if you ask me like where I'm from, I, it's hard, super hard to answer. Mm -hmm. I just say all of the Midwest because we moved everywhere mm -hmm. around in the Midwest, and I I never lived in one place longer than like three or four years. What would you do when you got home from school? The first thing that you would do when you'd get home. Uh, Nostalgic question. Yeah, yeah. Juggle. I'm going to do a juggle. Yeah. Three balls or more? Yeah, four. I was doing four and five. I was doing Ooh. rubber chickens. And, you know, so I was kind of nerdy. Nah, I was not cool. And uh, my mom is so crazy. That's it's super cool. fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but this is not how you get girlfriends in high school. <laughs> don't walk to school juggling. If any teenagers are out there listening, don't uh -huh. do that. Uh, so, but I was like, hey, mom, what should I do? And she would just come up with the greatest things ever. She would, she would be like, you know, buy a Volkswagen Beetle and fix it up. And so, like, well, we did that one time with my friends. We bought an old mm -hmm. Volkswagen Beetle. I was 15. 
16 or I didn't, couldn't drive. And we just bought it and we're, we worked on it for two or three years. Mm-hmm. And then I'd be like, mom, what should we do today? And she would be like, well, why don't you teach yourself to juggle? So we mm-hmm. would spend like four months learning how to juggle and juggling with our friends. And when I mean, you, you didn't kid. have YouTube tutorials yeah, exactly. like the kids do now. No, no, you had to teach yourself. Yeah. yeah or you had to go and talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you show me how to juggle? And there's not too many like juggling circus people in the Midwest, yeah. but like, you know, you can find them. What sort of fast food did they have in the Midwest? Fast food? Yeah. Well, I mean, there was McDonald's and stuff, but we never ate there. We always mm-hmm. just ate at home and my yeah. mom would ring like a cowbell and we would all run home. Really? What would she cook? Uh, well, so she's Southern, so she would cook super Southern food, like uh-huh. fried chicken, rice and gravy and like a lot of biscuits and just like uh-huh. heavy, delicious food. Love it. Uh-huh. I'm, is, I'm is loving it, this nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's very nostalgic. Like, yeah. you know, always eating at the dinner table and telling about our day. So that, yeah. that was very important to me. Like that kind of like connection at the, at the table. Has that translated into your parenting? Do you think? Yeah. So yeah, Fitz and I, we eat dinner at the table, but we draw at the table also. Mm-hmm. And there's no rules of like, Hey, if you're full, then I'm not going to force you to eat all the food on yeah, your plate. Sure. Yeah. Uh, we, like I was, uh, I mean, he, 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 he's a great eater. So no, mm-hmm. no worries. But I also mm-hmm. like, we draw weird stuff and, color things in and like maybe during dinner we'll just start painting our faces with Mm. paint Mm -hmm. and it turns into a paint fest (laughs) (laughs) moving around you said every three three or so years you haven't lived anywhere longer than three years uh do you think that like your past and that moving around has has been a place of inspiration for you in the creative fields that you're in totally yeah I, I would think just being able to see so many different places and what I liked or didn't like or even even uh, even like design aside just being like I know there's another place other yeah. than this yeah. that I will f- belong to and so I discovered there was this place called Chicago and I was like oh mm. this is the thing like I'm mm. gonna move there and then I discovered a place there's a place called New York City and I was like wow <laughs> yeah. this is a fun place I'm gonna move there we asked a cab- uh, Uber driver the other day what mm. do you think of LA and she uh-huh. said I don't know anything else yeah. it's like she had, it was a good left. answer it was yeah. a great honest <laughs> yeah. answer that's no, a good answer but if you it's like a, being a writer like mm-hmm. to be a writer you gotta go and do stuff like yeah. you have to live and mm-hmm. like you know have experiences Mm -hmm. and I would say the same thing with designers you know and that was the number one thing I was trying to get my students like you have to go out and do Mm -hmm. things every day go and do something I randomly moved to Paris so like (laughs) from like one week to the next I sold all of my earthly belongings and just like packed up my bags and moved to Paris I was in my (laughs) 20s didn't speak French didn't know anyone didn't have anywhere to live I just showed up in Charles de Gaulle airport what inspired you to do that just like I needed to see how another country taught architecture I was in third year architecture school and uh, I was just like I got to get out of here so I, <laughs> I moved to Paris and it was crazy and and yeah it was difficult but also like I went out every single day 365 days out walking around mm. and or I would hop on a train and go to another country because you can just do that yeah, from yeah. Paris go to a different train how station. long were you there for so I was a year about a year and a half uh-huh. yeah and so just like you know even just like arriving mm-hmm. I got a migraine headache in the airport yeah. threw up everywhere which oh, was no. a great arrival for Charles de Gaulle yeah uh, welcome to Paris you know and then but I figured out I got downtown and my school was at the Beaux-Arts so I went there it was fucking closed yeah. nobody was there <laughs> I went early to try to learn French right uh, and it was closed so I didn't know what to do so I just went to the cafe next door and I didn't have anything to do so I just sat there I was reading and drinking coffee like you do mm-hmm. and so I just started I heard music so I started dancing on the sidewalk and then somebody started yelling at me from above mm-hmm. like out the second story window in French and I was like I don't know what you're saying mm-hmm. and so he's like can you dance and I was like yeah of course like I'm dancing like mm-hmm. he's like can you dance all the time and I was like yeah he's like I, I need you to dance in my nightclub and I was like wait a minute like I know I'm fresh off the boat but like what's going on here <laughs> And uh, he's like, I need you to dance in my nightclub. Uh, do you encourage other people to dance? Like you dance first. And uh, I was yeah, like, yeah. okay, I need a place to stay. I'm homeless. I just got here. Uh, I need an apartment. He's like, I have an apartment. You stay in my apartment. I'll pay you. You dance in the nightclub. And so now I'm a professional dancer because <laughs> I got paid to dance. <laughs> what kind of dancing was it? Just just fun dancing. Just, just to get people to get out on the dance floor. And then I got to stay for free in that apartment for a couple of weeks. Uh, we've talked a lot about uh, traveling and sort of the, it's almost a persona or, a, or an NG or a courage that it summons up it sounds like you went over there and it's you know thrusted you into a a a world that was not like at home was that is that fair to say or were you dancing back at i mean i was dancing everywhere but (laughs) i mean i was yeah i was still terrified right i mean it's scary 
I was scared, you know. I was yeah. didn't know what I didn't have any life experiences. I never left the country at the start. Was it a little bit? I don't know what's going on. No, 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 you, no. Were, you were right into it. I was totally right into it, uh-huh. and it's funny because that's how my son dances right yeah. now at five. Just, <laughs> you dance like nobody's watching you, and yeah. that's a real thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's so that's what I was doing in Paris, like on the sidewalk. So, um, so what do you what do you think about traveling and sort of the energy it provokes and that sort of courage it brings, and how do you channel it back home? You're living in LA; it's home. You can mm-hmm. sink in to some mm-hmm. habits and just you know com- comfortability how do you how do you get out of that and do you get out of that uh well i think just me as like a human like i i, I do things i go out and look for s- trouble basically <laughs> <laughs> what, are you, what are you looking so for the more trouble i can get into bed the better yeah uh, and that that and, and i mean that like a good thing like yeah, yeah, yeah. uh like uh this idea of like rebels, right? And rebel thinking, but mm-hmm. you know, rebels have this kind of bad connotation. Like they're like messing up things. But yeah. I, I believe that they're, if you look at it from a different perspective, they're just challenging the norms and they're they're Maybe they do it in a, in, in a way that has a negative connotation. But if you think of rebel thinking in, in terms of design and experimentation, it's incredibly insightful mm. how to approach design because you have to be a super expert with tons of training to be a rebel, but then totally disregard all of your experience and training mm. and to and to approach things with totally like kid eyes. Mm. And then you'll come up with a new a new idea. But it's because you have tons of ex- experiences that allows you to think differently. If you're just an expert and you just have like college training and no experience, then you're not gonna like come up with a totally radical new solution. You're mm. just gonna base it on your own limited mm. experience. But if you have tons, tons of experience, uh, you're going to come up with like radically new ideas. So the more you can go out and travel and, and meet people and hear other mm. people's stories, the, the more experiences that you have, then the more design ideas you're going to come up with. What's something you've, uh, uh, what's a, a piece of trouble or something that you've done that you've looked for that's reaped a great reward where you've gone, oh, I've got the great idea based on doing that. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, like what was the most amount of trouble I got oh, into? Oh, just, yeah, yeah. Something that then has got you a great reward <laughs> yeah. on the other side. Using well, that rebel mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say there was these, there was this project, uh, <laughs> okay. So Showtime, the T like the network mm-hmm. Showtime, uh, they do this charity, uh, house called the Showtime show house and they'll choose a designer and they'll give you a TV show that they have on their show on their channel. They'll, they'll assign you a TV show and then you design a space around the theme of that show. So, uh, they asked me to come in and give a pitch, um, and they didn't tell me what the show was yet. They just Are you wanted good me at to pitching by the way. I'm good at pitching. Yeah. Yes. So, so I was like, okay. Uh, so. So, um, we designed a bunch of really weird things mm-hmm. just randomly because I didn't know what we were going to do. But I had this idea that I wanted to simulate Mercer, Mercer, I wanted to make a room to simulate multiple personality disorder, which is an audible disease. So you can't distinguish the voices in your head. Mm-hmm. And so you, there, then you know that Bob Dylan video where he has everything written on key cards and he just throws them down. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like subterranean homesick blues. Mm-hmm. So we did a whole presentation. We hand drew all the sketches on these big cue cards with words, kind of synced to a song, and then we came in playing uh, I'll Be Your Mirror uh, by the Velvet Underground, and then I threw all the key cards down on the floor, kind of like singing the presentation, and then we walked out of the room. <laughs> that was it. Like, walked in, played this thing, performance piece, and then walked out, and they're like, you're hired. And they assigned <laughs> they assigned us the United States of Terra with Tony Collette from Australia. And uh, so we created this room to simulate multiple, multiple personality disorder, but it was very scary and terrifying and causing a lot of trouble because it's very strange. Mm. Uh, but everybody was excited about it. We created an avatar. We, we invented our own uh, tracking software. So the avatar on the TV was a, a Tony Collette lookalike. My friend looks like Tony Collette, so yeah. we filmed her they actually gave us tony collette they said we you can yeah. use her but she was filming somewhere in australia so we couldn't mm-hmm. use her i was once driving yeah. down the street and i looked over it's tony collette yeah beach road <laughs> in <laughs> melbourne good story she's amazing <laughs> yeah i love it uh, i ended up meeting her later but separate story but so so there's a uh, an avatar on the tv will follow you around facial recognition software we created at that time the world's longest free-spanning cnc wood structures with puzzle joints so i think it was 35 feet at that time which was the longest free span with no hardware 
it was just self joint like a puzzle. Uh, and then we painted it chroma key blue, which is what they use in films to, mm. to green screen people. It's blue paint mm -hmm. actually. Uh, and then everyone had wireless headphones and I collaborated with my friend, Daniel Perlin, an amazing sound designer and an inner immersive environmental environment uh, designer. Um, and so he created all these weird noises in your head. So you're wearing wireless headphones. Everyone in the room was isolated because everyone had headphones and everyone had different sounds in their ears. So, and then you were in this weird room uh, with this woman following you around on TV. So it's, that's what it feels like to have multiple personality wow. disorder. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, was, it caused a lot of trouble, but it was the favorite room of the, of the event. So that's great. <laughs> they loved it so much that they asked us to do the top, the roof, which was just a bar. Mm -hmm. And so what was beautiful about the wireless headphones is if you kept them on and you went upstairs, it changed to a silent dance party. Oh, and so it was <laughs> dance music. So everybody was dancing upstairs. <laughs> and then my mom comes to the opening and my mom's wildly entertaining, way more than me. And so she stole the show. They're like, oh, you're Brooks's mom. And so nobody gave a shit about me, which is fine. They all hung out with my mom, which was even cooler. Have you got a mini me? Like, is your son... Uh, like you yeah yeah I would say yeah pretty much he's pretty much like both of us in in like just like a free spirit like dan mm -hmm. he'll dance anywhere mm -hmm. he he he's like he has drum he plays drums and guitar and harmonica and saxophone like at the same time like mm -hmm. all like simultaneously <laughs> it's pretty funny uh, and then but he's like into art and painting and dancing and he told me yesterday he wants to be the singer in a band like the leader of the band electric guitar so yeah. it's like, okay, let's, we got to start working on that. <laughs> so, the, but that's the beauty. Like there's no limitations. There's no rules. Just do, mm -hmm. just like encourage, I'm just yeah. here to encourage him to just be as free as possible. Does it, uh, scare you f f watching him for the future and what the world's becoming and, w and where it's going? Or is it excite you? There's lots of possibilities. You know what? I, I was thinking a little bit more in the cynical spectrum when he was a, 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 like an infant, but now I'm thinking like, this is great. The world is great. You can do all of these things yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'll help him do it. Uh, and uh, it's scary to think like that some of the creativity might get crushed out of him. So mm. I'm trying to keep it as open as possible now. But, you, you know, s s some people think the world is scary now. And I, mm -hmm. I think it's just like so much fun to be alive right now in this world. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating time to be a creative person, mm. especially he, in L.A. It's just like yeah. a crazy mm. building boom going on here. It's just wild, wild projects, huge scale projects. The Olympics are coming here. The World Cup is coming here. Mm. And all the filming production studios are moving here. Apple, Netflix, Amazon, everybody. It's just an amazing creative mecca of the universe, unlike anything else. Mm. The, the rebel thinking, the pushing back on rules. Where does structure fit into your life? Uh, well, I try not to, <laughs> I try not to have any structure, uh, but kids need structure. So mm -hmm. obviously like there is like some structure sometimes, uh, where sometimes do you, we where skip do you find past, this, but, yeah, where do you find the structure? Do you wake up at the same time every morning? No, or? no, I mean, I try desperately not to do that. So every day when I take notes, I take notes differently. So mm -hmm. some days I take notes on post-its. Sometimes I write it on my body. Sometimes it's in a notebook because the, if you do something repetitively, then you, then it becomes unconscious and then mm -hmm. you're not aware of it. Mm -hmm. So if you have to make notes differently every day, how do you keep track of all your notes? <sighs> Is the well, idea of know, writing down the notes? <laughs> it's kind of like you don't, um, you know, things, things move fast. And so like, I just write the notes to remember to do something and then I do it and then, and then you get, then it's done. So, mm -hmm. um, but I, you know, I, I try to do different things at different times of the day, each day, but I also try to set a time like heads down. Don't bother me. Like I got, I'm in the zone. Like don't mess with me. Mm -hmm. So do you have certain rituals or routines then? No, no, no. The, the ritual would be is, is that I approach my ritual would be I approach everything as if it's a project. Okay. So even taking a sh bath with my son, mm -hmm. I'll be in the bathtub with him, and maybe we have a bread bag, an empty bread bag, because mm -hmm. like you know maybe we don't have any toys. So mm -hmm. and then we'll fill it up and we'll use it yeah. as a punching bag because it's mm -hmm. just like funny and like what is water splashing around the bathroom? Yeah. Hell yeah! But mm -hmm. is that a problem? No. Yeah. So you know it's just like have fun, make some bubbles punch some bread bags that's a great <laughs> idea i'm gonna try that one yeah i love that it's hold, it, hold the upper <laughs> bread bag what about driving around so like obviously uh, being uh previously in new york east mm -hmm. coast i guess people are driving less la you sort of need a car how has that changed the way you think uh, about ideas and, and create 
Uh, well, oh, that's a good question. I grew up driving cars, mm -hmm. not good at them. I crashed <laughs> a lot <laughs> uh, when I was younger. Then being in New York, I hadn't had a car for 16 years. Mm -hmm. I did have a car for a couple months. My sister bought this BMW for a dollar, gave it to me. I had it on the Upper West Side. I got a ticket every day, sometimes <laughs> twice a day. So uh -huh. after like $1,000 in tickets in like a week, you're like, no way, forget it. You know, get rid of the car. So I gave it back to my sister. Um, Why? What were the tickets you were actually getting? you have to getting? move your car every like okay. four hours. Hours. Yeah, you sure. have to change sides of the street uh -huh. for alternate street side of the street parking, and so on. So I did get. A, I ended up getting a motorcycle, which I think that's maybe more uh, interesting story of how I met Christopher Walken <laughs> with on the motorcycle. But uh, so, but now to, back to your point in LA driving, I kind of use it as a safe. Uh, meditative mm -hmm. uh, moment mm -hmm. where I'll listen to po creative podcasts uh, and other podcasts. It's, uh, it's a great time to be just because it's an hour commuting from Los Feliz to Culver City. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's weird to have a car. Mm -hmm. It also feels very liberating and free because we'll just drive like randomly to Ojai or to Palm Springs or Joshua Tree just like randomly. Like mm -hmm. people think it's so far, but it's like, it's only an hour or two hours. Like that's nothing. Yeah. Like we can go there and back. Like well, I'll go to Ojai for dinner and come back. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so I, I love that, the, the, the freedom that that gives. Plus in, in LA, in 45 minutes, you're in a totally new paradise. Mm -hmm. You never have to go on vacation because you're in vacation. Uh, but uh, the car, I mean, that book On the Road by Kerouac just had such a profound influence on me. I just like love that idea of like freedom of just like, and I'm a Sagittarius also. Mm -hmm. So just like being able to go anywhere I want at any moment is yeah. important to me. Um, what, you've been to Melbourne a few times. Yeah. What's um, any, I mean, that's our, that's our hometown. Mm -hmm. any, any good stories, any kind of creative inspo that's come out of Australia? Well, first of all, uh, Australia in general is just fascinating design wise, just like all the design experimentation that's going on there is wild when mm -hmm. I, I was incredibly touched and moved by the th the amount of thoughtfulness that went into all the design that i saw there melbourne in particular just because i ended up there and like all the f people that i met were mostly in melbourne uh super fascinating very experimentational and creative group of people like LA mm -hmm. in the way, and it's not like I don't give a F, but it's like, let's try stuff because we're in Australia and mm -hmm. we're far away <laughs> from anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you, you don't, you don't care. You're just going to end it. You're just like, well, we're, we love food and coffee and like live to live life. Mm -hmm. Like that's the people and that's the attitude I got there. Um, even so like random strangers I met were like, Hey, let's collaborate and let's make a music, a music festival. And, and so we, I ended up doing that three or four years now. It's called swell music festival. It's just like an experimental choose your own weird interactive, how to interact with music in general, but also like how to act with musicians and bands. And mm. it's a super experimental, like on the cusp of cutting edge mm. how to listen to music in a totally new way it's really mm. it's really cool yeah. i need more yeah. randoms saying to me let's collaborate <laughs> yeah exactly because yeah. but then i might i might think uh this person might be bullshitting mm. how do you know when someone says let's collaborate and you go uh Yes or no? How do you know when to say yes and no uh, with a random? Uh, hmm. So, like, I'm not totally into astrology, but I just had my star chart read. <laughs> yeah, and, like, yeah. I don't know anything of what it means. But uh, what I'm getting from it was uh, I'm a, like, all of my signs are heading towards all being Sagittarius yeah. um, uh, with some... I think my moon is in Pisces. So what I was told was, is that I pick up on the energies of the people that are around me. Yeah. And so I feel like when somebody's like, hey, do you want to collaborate? Mm -hmm. I can tell right away if they mean it or if they don't mm -hmm. mean it. And plus, like, if you have a second meeting or a third meeting, then you, you'll know right away. So, like, say you want to collaborate and then, like, just have a follow-up meeting and then you'll know how serious people are. Mm -hmm. But I think people already have a sense for me of like i'll do it like i'll do anything once uh no matter what it is so i'm totally game with collaborating on anything mm, yeah. shoes uh i did make a peer, pair of shoes based on like sound so the shoes would move around while you walked around based on the sounds of the environments that they were in uh with united nude and like other like weird collaborations so 
uh, yeah, I mean, if you're going to come to me and be like, do you want to collaborate? I'm going to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll think of an idea and then I'll be giving you a message. <laughs> uh, before before the episode started, you grabbed your phone and put it uh, onto your desk. How has the connectedness and phones changed the way that uh, you create or live life? You know, I like the, I like the ability to share ideas fast mm-hmm. uh, with random people uh, in the office or outside of the office. Friends will be like, hey, check this out. Hey, check this out. Or even just like people in the office are like, Brooks, I saw this, check this, you know, this. And it's so great to be able to see and share ideas fast. Um, we don't use them in terms of like inspiration per se of like, oh, look at all these images and I'm gonna just turn the design into these images. Uh, what, what We'll use like emotions and feelings and ideas that we get from the images, uh, but then, it, you know, we have discussions about them and, and, and we, you know, we kind of like iterate from there, but it's a great starting point and a way to share ideas quickly, which didn't happen before. Mm-hmm. And even clients, and this is a really unique way of operating of like clients are texting us like, gone are the days that you spend three months putting a huge presentation together and the presentation is like six hours long it's like no we're presenting every two weeks uh, intermediate quick fast so we can do things much faster and much, much quicker mm-hmm. and so when when clients are sending you instagram images through direct me- direct messaging in instagram uh it's just a faster way of communicating and i think um it, it moves and pushes the boundaries faster and, and uh, further, quicker. Mm. It's intense. Uh, it's a, everything becomes more intense that way. But I, I believe it, 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 it's, it pushes the boundaries quicker and it allows for everyone to feel that they're, being, that they're collaborating with a team mm. and not just like one person. Have you had to create limitations around it? Or I guess if you're having that stimulus, like I, I guess you're um, into a lot of input, just constantly mm-hmm. having input and stimulus if you've got a noisy client who might not necessarily uh, be providing the best inputs, can you just sort of filter, self-filter that in real time or do you have mechanisms to control your inputs? Uh, I mean, that's a good question. I think all like, let, like just give it to me and I'll mm-hmm. filter it. You yeah. know, like just, I think all, all input is good input. Um, and, you know, um, this idea of like a win-lose scenario, right? Mm-hmm. That's what people talk about, win-lose. Um, th- I haven't found a scenario where the lose scenario cannot be flipped to a win. Mm-hmm. So in any given moment, I'm gonna try to take the win-lose and make it a win-win. Everyone benefits this yeah, way. Yeah. So if you just go around with your li- in your life now and like your everyday, like just think, oh, this is a win-lose. Like just flip the lose and mm-hmm. then it's a win-win. And then everyone is so mm-hmm. much happier that way. How do you find out if you're in the middle of a pitch or you're speaking to clients, how do you identify when it is that win-lose and how would you adjust? Well, I mean, ultimately, like the, the pitches can be win-win pitches mm-hmm. and, you, and you're still not selected for the project. Mm-hmm. So that, And that's fine too. You know, it's just... The pro- projects take a long time so you also need to vibe with the people and mm-hmm. like the 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 personalities all it's a lot like matchmaking i think when you are working with 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 clients uh think of it as like a matchmaker in a way um but in terms of like uh recognizing the lose scenarios i think it's pretty it's pretty easy because you're like why is there friction going on here mm-hmm. like if you're asking for this and i'm trying to deliver that if there i think it's just a communication issue of like i didn't communicate it correctly or your your wishes weren't communicated to us correctly and so it's just about fine-tuning our um uh our uh method of communicating with each other our ideas so mm-hmm. i'll try to just like well i hear what you're saying but like did you think about this or i'm hearing this is that what you said mm-hmm. so it's just like kind of re- reiterating what the clients are saying and mm-hmm. uh, you, switching it yeah. do you think um time restrictions say on a project are conducive to um, you know nailing a creative concept so time expands to the you know, the task expands to the time assigned mm-hmm. you have a short period of time can you still do great work in the short period of time uh the answer is yes um uh, time, time 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 uh so sometimes the more time is not good 
then you then you you lose focus. Sometimes short amounts of time are really good, but it's a very intensive. Mm. Um, I mean, it's like that story about um, Picasso doing the sketch on a napkin for this guy in like ten seconds, and then the guy's like, "How much do you want for it?" And Picasso was like, "Twenty million or whatever." <laughs> and he's like, "But it took you five seconds, you know." But he's like, "But it took me my whole life to draw that for you, mm-hmm. right?" So a lot of it is like that of like. The, the relativeness of time doesn't matter. You're, you're the same creative. Like I'm not going to be less creative and cause I have less amount of time. Mm. It's just a, it's just a willingness to be intense about it up front. Mm. Uh, the projects move so fast now. Uh, time really isn't a considerable, considerable factor. The expectation you're doing the same amount of work in this, in this, in the faster amount of time now, that's just the norm. Mm. And, and unfortunately, but also it's it's exciting, mm. but it's just the intensity level goes mm. way up. Uh, personal branding or personal brand, do you think, is it a dirty phrase or do we embrace it? Well, I think brand is important so people mm-hmm. can understand like what services and what difference you, difference, differentiates you from mm-hmm. other other uh, offices. Um no, I don't. I don't think that's a dirty word at all. Mm-hmm. I think it's super helpful. Like you know what you're gonna get when you go to Apple, and you know yeah. what you're gonna get if you go to, you know, the Gap or something. Right. And so what about like the personal level? So I guess you you've got your business, but mm-hmm. then you've got you as an individual. Yeah. How much of the things come natural to you, and this is just these are the glasses that I wear, and this is the blazer that I have on, versus this is what Brooks would wear. This is what I want. This is what I'm wanting to communicate to people. Yeah. Well, I think the beauty of, uh, of, 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 of office untitled in particular is like, you're encouraged to just be you mm-hmm. like we would never like crush people's identity or their own creative freedoms, mm-hmm. uh, because what that would be limiting, that would be like putting blinders on. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we don't want to do that. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just born this way. And so like, yeah, I have a funny jacket on and like, cause that's just the way that I like to dress. Jacket. Thank you. Right, yeah. Jimmy. I mean, it's like a silk smoking jacket. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but like with weird Japanese tattoos on it, I couldn't pull it off. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not. I couldn't uh, do it so in LA just because I get hot very quickly. Yeah. Is it like the blazers and stuff become issues in LA or you? Well, layers are important. Okay. So leather is, is really great. And okay. that's the main reason I moved here is so I can wear leather. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to hear the story of Christopher Walker. Okay, okay, okay. So, well, you talked about uh, what does a car mean to you, and it's really more about a motorcycle. And so I grew up racing sailboats with my dad. He started racing when I was three. Mm -hmm. And, like, so being on a sailboat is very philosophical, and that sounds weird i know but like it's very quiet you're following the you're chasing the wind basically Mm. you're watching the wind move around on the water and then you chase it to try to go faster so it's very zen it's very philosophical it's very beautiful to me also being from the midwest being out on the water being pushed around by the wind also was very scary but in a beautiful way like it felt like flying then I'm living in New York and I have a younger brother and I go out to Connecticut and my family lives out there. And I was like, uh, his name's Will. I was like, Will, teach me how to ride a motorcycle. And so he did. Haha. And then I just <laughs> took it and drove it back to the city the same day. Like I just stole it from him and drove it back to New York City. So now I have a motorcycle in New York City, which is crazy because <laughs> I live on the Upper West Side. I'm wearing leather pants. I have a motorcycle. That's not the vibe of the Upper West Side. I'm, I, I'm standing out. So everyone in the neighborhood knows me. They're, that's Brooks, you know, he has a motorcycle. Okay, so I'm, uh, I'm driving around, I'm on the motorcycle, leather pants, I don't fit in. I'm, I went to Columbia for my master's in architecture, and so that's why I live up there on the Upper West Side. Plus, the boat basin on 82nd Street is like 100 feet from my apartment. So I ended up sailing sailboats on the Hudson and giving tours. I'm a captain, so I have my captain's license. My friend has a 42-foot sailboat. So I'm sailing, I'm giving tours after work around the Statue of Liberty, blah, 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 on the sailboat. So that's super funny. So anyways, so I have the motorcycle, and I'm just sitting on my street. Uh, When you start the motorcycle, you warm it up for a second. So I'm sitting on the motorcycle, I'm warming it up, and then I get this tap on my shoulder of this like man hand. I can tell because it's like a tough tap, 
on my hand. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, hey, kitty boy, what's up? And I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? So I turned around and it's Christopher Walken. And I was like, oh, hey, Chris, what's up? And I turned off the motorcycle and he's like, hey, I seen you around. And I was like, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I hope that's okay, a good, a good thing. And he's like, yeah, um, do you live here? And I was like, yeah, I live right there across the street. And he's like, you got a motorcycle. You don't fit in around here, do you? And I was like, no, you know, Chris, no, I don't fit in. And he's like, uh, so I live right here. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, and it's right there, right? I'm, fr I'm in front of his house <laughs> and his brownstone. He's like, uh, you want to come up for a glass of wine? And I was like, um, you're not gonna cut me up into little pieces and eat me, <laughs> are you? Cause like I was terrified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he might do that. Yeah, I don't know. Like yeah, yeah. he's been in vampire. Movies. Stab you in the face with a soldering iron. Yeah, that's a line from oh, one of the movies. Exactly. So I was terrified, <laughs> but also like, yeah, dude, of, of course, of course. <laughs> of course. So he brought me in and like gave me a tour of his house, which is crazy awesome because he has all these like weird things from different movies. So it's like. Definitely a place to cut people up and eat them. Like that's the place to do it. Yeah, yeah. And, and maybe you wouldn't think no. a famous guy is going to do that. Yeah. No, no, I know. No, he wouldn't do that, Christopher. But so he's giving me this tour, and then he he his uh, wig maker lives next door. So and they're they're like conjoined the brownstones, and he's like, oh, come over to to check it out. And I was like, this is weird uh, because now I'm having Silence of the Lambs flashback because it looks like if you've never seen somebody make wigs, they make them with real human hair, and it's like a loom, oh, no. and it looks like they're going to cut you up and to eat you and then put you on the loom and make a wig out of you. So I was like even more terrified. So I was like, I'm never coming out of this place alive. Like you've taken me and I'm never going to see the light of day, but uh, no, they didn't eat me and I'm here talking to you now. That's great. Yeah. A wig maker. I mean, is that a common thing? Christopher Walken wears a wig. Is that, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't answer that. We can't answer one way. It was all a bit weird. Yeah. Yeah. I don't <laughs> it's know. Very cool. You're talking yeah. about podcasts that you listen to. What uh, What are some that you you enjoy? So right now I'm listening to Dolly Parton's America. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I love her so much too. She's amazing, and uh, it's, it's a fascinating insight into her and how she. Everyone loves Dolly Parton. Mm. Everyone. Doesn't matter who you are or where you're from or what color your skin is or where you came from or if you're an immigrant or not. Like, everyone loves Dolly Parton. It's amazing. And why is that? Mm. And that's what the podcast is kind of about. Yeah, cool. Um, so I'm listening to that and I'm listening to um, Hidden Brain on NPR, which is yeah, a great. fascinating mm. podcast. And uh, I also love Radio Lab, mm -hmm. is another. Those are my top ones. Yeah, great. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Well, thank you so much for giving us the full, uh, it feels like the Brooks experience, yeah. <laughs> getting the tour, getting to see both toilets, getting to see out the back with the, the 3D printing. We it's need, been we'll great. get a photo of us in the toilet. It sounds yeah. weird, but I think we need to, yeah, at absolutely. least for the photo we post. And do you have any plans of coming back to Australia anytime soon? Or? Uh, I would love to come back. Yeah, we'll mm -hmm. probably do another music festival. It's called Swell. <laughs> you know, yeah. I actually haven't actually gotten to go to any of the oh, music no. festivals just because like I had my son and uh -huh. like, Something kept coming up, so I kept kept missing it. But I would mm -hmm. like to go back if we do okay. another one. Otherwise, like come back for Design Week and uh, see what's going on. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for having us awesome. in the Coachella room. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here today, and I appreciate the time. Thanks so thanks, much, Brooks. Uh, it's a daily talk show. If you've enjoyed the show, feel free to share it on Instagram in the stories. Tag us up. Uh, feel free to email us as well. Hi at the Daily Talk Show dot com. Otherwise, we'll see you tomorrow, guys. See you guys. <laughs>